The following audio is via a Skype call. I have a head for business and a bod for sin. Is there anything wrong with that? It's Manson Mitchell on the weekend with Gary Manson, Suzanne Mitchell. A double shot of good conversation with great guests to power up your day. Manson Mitchell, you're on the air. Thank you, Eric Kramer. Hi, everybody. Welcome once again to Manson Mitchell. Welcome to a Saturday that will complete after a few years off. It was high time we had Deborah Wilson back, so we will complete a very Deborah weekend. I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. And that means it's time for us to say hello to the man who today keeps us once again on an even keel, the tall guy, the Nathan. Tall guy. Yeah, I'm still today, here. Nathan? I'm still here. I know. I'm sorry about that. No, we're happy you're there. You remind me when you Just say that. Just giving you a hard time. <laughs> you remind me of a sign I saw. There was a coffee shop. And no, I walked by it. And then I drove by it and I didn't go in, but I have to remedy that the next time we find ourselves in Montana. Suzanne and I were in Bozeman, Montana, that vast state where you drive for half a day and you go, okay, I've had enough. We'll go a couple hours more. And after you eat, you get in the car and you go for two or three more hours and you're still in Montana. Yeah, it's nothing like, you know, driving through the north end of Idaho. I mean, before you get to Montana. And it's like, welcome to Ohio. Thank you for visiting, uh, not not Ohio, Idaho. And thank you for visiting Idaho. Now you're on Montana. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> not so in Montana. In Bozeman, there was this coffee shop that had a cute neon sign. During the day, during business hours, the sign simply said, sorry, we're open. <laughs> I thought that was just great. And if you've, if you've experienced that and you've been to Bozeman, you know that that fits. There's a quirky element and an aspect to Bozeman, Montana, and a lot of quirkiness throughout Montana, to be honest with you. It's a charming state, big sky country for sure. And uh, that was just exactly my thought about that. This message was brought to you by Travel Montana. (laughs) Not really, sorry, not sorry. Today we're going to talk to Deborah Wilson. And isn't it about the stories? Isn't it about the perspective and the chance during what is a pandemic unlike anything anyone alive has experienced, and hopefully we don't go through this again, we have an opportunity to reevaluate our lives and maybe to pivot, maybe to retrench. We've been doing the retreating, but when all this is over, where do we go from here? That's a central question. Suzanne, did you want to read the mad props for Deborah Wilson? Because you can't hear them often enough. Well, I could read mad props for the whole hour about Deborah Wilson and never bring her on. So I'm just going to pick and choose a few things to say about her. Um, I should actually start out by saying that Deborah has been on our show more than any other guest because she is so beloved by not only us, but our listeners for her sage advice. And so she is our number one guest over the 13 plus years that we have been on air. Deborah Adian Wilson is a published author, speaker, coach, and contemporary spiritual teacher and healer. Known as the intuitive spiritual and wealth coach, Deborah Wilson inspires her international audiences and clientele to understand that it's truly okay to be both spiritual and wealthy. Too often people keep spirituality and wealth separate, but Deborah reminds us that it is our divine inheritance 
teaching that our freedom comes from truly embodying both spirituality and wealth as the one essence. She has a collection of music titled Oneness Becomes You. It supports your spiritual growth through listening to high vibrational music as a meditative practice. And she has written books as well, which we will get into during the bottom of the hour marketing break. But uh, for the umpteenth time, it is my pleasure on this Deborah Wilson weekend to welcome her this morning. Deborah, so glad to have you on for the whole weekend. I love it. Good morning, Gary and Suzanne. I love the quirky word this morning, Gary. I have been um, learning to embrace my quirkiness, and uh, I think that's a great word to bring into this wild ride of a pandemic is to really just be more of ourselves. So I love the quirky word. I'm all about quirky. The more, the better. Gary and I have been reading a, a book together, and in it, this author is saying that you really don't want to be thinking the way everybody else is thinking or you're going to end up with a very common kind of life in a common way of thinking. And I'll tell you, Deborah, it reminds me of you thinking outside the box, thinking differently, saying, now, wait a second. Most everybody thinks that wealth and spirituality are two separate individual things and never they shall meet or be together and you said to yourself, how can that be true? I don't believe that's true. And so you have thought differently from most people. So Gary and I have been talking about how do you think differently? How do you how do you look at a situation and say, I'm not going to choose to think the way everybody else is thinking? How do you do that? that? That's kind of a challenge to think differently from what everybody else is thinking. It's a, that is a great question. Um what comes to mind is we have experiences, at least I have, where, you know, I, I thought as a younger person, you know, if I just did X, Y, and Z, you know, if I, if I went to college and then if I got married and if I had the kids and if I, you know, all the, this collective of what, um, what we think, whatever that is for each person that happened to be mine, you know, would be it for us, would fill us up, would nourish us. Um, and then you kind of land, or at least I have multiple times and still do, um, flat on the windshield and you go, huh, that wasn't it, or that's not it. Or, um, you know, it's, it's looking for the things outside and, and figuring that, you know, if you're doing it like everyone else, you're going to be fine, you're going to be happy, you're going to be fulfilled. And, and whatever that is for someone, whether it's getting a boat or getting married or, you know, uh, having a certain level in your career and just realizing that that's not all that there is. And so as we talked about a bit yesterday and this in my bio, um, you know, having a life-threatening, you know, illness and having had cancer before and other um, extraordinary, and I do want to say extraordinary now, circumstances in my life that have helped to mold me and sculpt me, as we were talking about yesterday, those are those experiences that have helped me to look, to, to search, to seek, um, to go within and find something different. And, um, you know, I had to come out of the closet, or at least it was an opportunity, in a different way to basically say, you know, this is what I do for a living. I'm an intuitive coach, and yes, I talk to angels, and yes, I talk to the dearly departed people and saints and other kinds of energy. And, um, 
And once I started doing that, and that's pretty quirky and out there for some people, you know, my life became much more fulfilled because I was really living more my truth of who I am and what I have to offer. So I really think it, it starts and begins to circle back through some of the traumatic, the um, intense experiences that each of us have. You know, we've been using this word reboot when it comes to the pandemic. I, I, I think you might have said it um, first yesterday, Gary, when you're talking about the pandemic gives us a chance to reboot what it is that we're doing and how it is that we're thinking. So we do stop, um, you know, just like cogs in a mechanical wheel. So we kind of get off that machinery and kind of look at our lives a lot more differently and certainly one of the things that's really in our faces is all this death that's going on and that's why i think in terms of reboot because when we wake up from the nightmare deborah people whom we counted on people dear to us in many many cases many a household across the united states won't have that person or those people anymore didn't we see on the news, Suzanne, there was a, a family gathering in New Jersey, and I believe that three people in this New Jersey family died within days of each other. Yes. There is this yeah. huge mournful gap in their family and thus their family history. Absolutely. That's the kind of thing. If you only lose one, maybe it's not you. Maybe it's your mom, your dad, your sister, your cousin, whatever. There, you are going to lose someone, and when you reboot your life, when it's safe to go out again, you are both, and it's kind of happening per force, Deborah, but it's like all of us are going to have the opportunity, whether we ask for it or not, to reinvent our lives. Absolutely. And you know, Gary and Suzanne, um, that all of that is going to happen anyway, right? It's just really, really in our face right now because of uh, this this global experience that we're all having. The truth is we are all going to leave our bodies at some point, our friends, our family, and that is a natural uh, circle, if you will, that we all have. And it's so interesting. I think, again, we talk about this, this introductory um, conversation about death and rebirth, and uh, it, this is a great time. Uh, you know, of course, there's going to be trauma for some people. And so when you can land, you know, when you, when you like me, peel yourself off the windshield where you've splatted, you know, there, there are people around us, whether it's, you know, it's your faith and your pastor or whether it's friends or, or it's beautiful counselors and therapists, you know, there are people who can help support these experiences and help us to move in and through these these times that we're having and that we're going to have. Um, you know, this isn't new. Death is not a new thing that's just happening right now. And for me and people like me, and I believe yourselves as well, we have um, a, a maybe, I don't want to say deeper, uh, we just have an understanding that there's more to, um, to everything than meets the eye, including death. To me, I see from the heavenly realm you know, just as when we're waiting for a baby to be born in this plane, and we're excited, and when is the due date, and how close are you, and then we, you know, maybe hear a friend or a family member, they're, you know, they're in labor, and we're waiting for this soul to be born 
in material world, that's the same on the other side. I remember when I first um, was working with the produced music of the one that becomes you, and what I was doing is I was receiving the music from Mark Watson, who I spoke um, spoke of yesterday, and I would sit with it, and I felt like I was then bursting the next portion of it. It would tell me, if you will, the title. It would tell me maybe the chakra that was um, associated with it. And I remember listening to the one that is now titled Ascension. And in that moment, I literally saw this um, rebirth, if you will, into heavenly realm. In other words, my moment after death and who and what was around me. And I sobbed, not in sadness, but in such pure joy of how that felt and all the love that is there waiting not only for me, but for all of us. So when you can have those kinds of perspectives, when you hear these kinds of stories or maybe read up from people who do maybe just strict mediumship, um, we can have a taste, we can have an opening to perhaps you know, it isn't also gloom and doom. Yes, we will mourn here on the other side, absolutely. But it doesn't have to be only the mourning. There can be celebration, and there are cultures around the world who celebrate death way more than we do, I think, collectively here in the United States. Oh, I think you're absolutely right. This is a, a topic. In fact, I was talking about this very topic with another KKNW host this week, um, Dina Marie, who was saying that people are so skittish to talk about death as though it wasn't going to happen to them. Right. It won't happen to me. You know, it'll happen to somebody else. And during this pandemic, when I've been going about my normal life, painting, cleaning, organizing, shopping, doing all that kind of stuff, uh, every once in a while, I have gotten completely freaked out and and said, whoa, 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 I'm not ready to die yet. I don't have my life in order. And and so and then it's like, oh, my God. I mean, people are, are leaving the planet in droves right now. And I do think that it's more cosmic than we are able to grasp from our little tiny grain of sand here, wherever it is that we live, to see that big picture. But I have to say, I kind of wonder about that. What well, is I going love, on in the big picture? I love picture? that. I love that. Well, here's the deal. I don't know that any of us, I'm going to be really honest, I don't know, of course, I don't know every person on the planet. I don't know that everyone has the entirety and the complexity of the whole big picture. I think there are people like me who can go in, who can ask. And initially when I did, I'm like, okay, what's this about? What, you know? And there, again, there's more than meets the eye here. But I, I did tap into this, um, you know, the energy, if you will, of those who are leaving. And from my belief, from my own inner work and inner guidance and what I, I am able to perceive, um, that every soul that does get unwell and gets unwell enough in this particular virus um, piece we're talking about specifically, um, it feels very predestined to me. It feels very um, free will-ish as well. And what I mean by that is, let's say collectively, these beings, um, 
decided this, so you know, it could be whoever, has already chosen this particular path. What I was also shown is because we do have free will in their um, physical unwellness experience, they still will have a choice to fight through that or surrender the body and then be on the other side and helping us from that perspective. So I don't think I'm the only one who is feeling into that particular um, awareness. I know that there are other people who are saying very similar things. And, and so then I need to trust that, right? I need to trust that. I remember saying to one of my kids, okay, so if I'm one of those people, and of course, you know, my child was not ready to hear any of that. They're like, don't talk to me about it. I'm like, okay, all right, just, just so you know. It's a love offering. It's a, it's a love offering, and we talked about that yesterday because death is so scary to so many, and we're so afraid of it. Um, you know, we're literally on this global lockdown, and this global lens, I mean, you know, it just kind of makes me um, chuckle a bit. It's like we all are in some way um, giving up many, many things and being able to sit with what is in our lives, what, what is remaining, and then what are we wanting to do or be or have as we move in and out of this experience. We look at the big picture in that way, Deborah, but I also wanted to talk to you as we get down to the, uh, the ordinary, like the daily stuff, the minutia that gets us from day to day. I have been a guest in your home. Suzanne and I had a wonderful time visiting with you in September of 2016. And I can recall each morning, we'd come upstairs, we'd go into the kitchen. Most of the time you'd be there waiting. I think one time we got there first and you joined us. Cats around, having a good time. And I felt at home. I just felt at peace, at home. I was in love with life. And a lot of that was attended by the simple things, including making a cup of coffee. And you have a very well-equipped kitchen, Deborah. So Suzanne and I were able to make some coffee. We got some bread and toasted it. And we would talk with you. And we would simply enjoy, how did you sleep? How do you feel? What are your plans today? It was that very ordinariness of life that made us feel at home. And now I find myself, almost four years later, I'm in my own home. We're holed up here like the Dalton gang, as I like to say. And <laughs> we need to make it work and as pleasantly as possible. We're trying to stay safe. We're trying to stay healthy. But we also want to stay sane and, God knows, maybe even happy. One of the ways I do that is by making my coffee. Now I've fallen in love with K-Cups. Oh, my God, I'm late to the party, but I have discovered K-Cups. They can be expensive, <laughs> but you're paying for the convenience. And I enjoy that. We watch the news. Suzanne gets up and watches the Weather Channel. There, and I join her. And then we have our coffee, and Suzanne makes a lovely breakfast. And we start our day, and we plan it out. I think that's a real sanity preserver at a time when sanity is at a premium. Well, and what you're speaking to, Gary, and I love it, and I love that you are you you found your K cup. <laughs> what you're speaking to is rhythm, and it's perfect. It's, it's of course, it's a perfect segue to the idea of creating rhythm in our lives. You know, my, my kids went to Waldorf school. I spoke yesterday about, you know, wanting to homeschool them, but not wanting to kill them. So we sent them to Waldorf schools, and Waldorf education speaks a lot to rhythm. And I think if it's good for children, it's obviously got to be good for us as well. And this is something I've been speaking with 
clients this week about. And in dentistry, I'm going to bring up the dentistry today. In dentistry, we had block scheduling. There were certain procedures and certain things that we would do at certain times because they demanded more energy or more attention, maybe a lighter load in the afternoon. But there would be blocks to where we would do what. And I was just coaching a client this week. Um, I had asked, let me see your calendar. And the, the chaos on the calendar, I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is going to make you nuts. And I think at this time, more than ever, would be a great time to create a foundation of what is our rhythm, especially if we're out of rhythm, not going to perhaps a, a nine-to-five job or some, some way of being where we're leaving the house. So the idea of rhythm is really important. I found myself in the very beginning, once I landed back here from Mexico, I felt I was wandering the house a bit, kind of like circling. And I'm like, I am not doing anything. I'm not getting things done that I could do. And, and it's not a time necessarily to overdo things. But what I found is if I would just get into a rhythm again, um, being here back in Boulder, and so then it became that kind of thing, make the coffee, sit and maybe read um, a spiritual book or something that, that you know warms my soul, sit and get quiet, perhaps listen to a piece of music. In fact, this morning is a great example. I woke up not in such a great space. I feel like I have like a rib head out and I, you know, I just, there was just, it just felt a little chaotic. And so I did those things, had some coffee, actually I had cocoa to start. I read some spiritual books. I listened to the love letter that's from the Oneness Becomes You collection. I literally hula hooped. Like I did some things that were rhythmic for me to land me here to feel really juicy and really ready to co-create with you too. So rhythm is important. I would try it out. I'd move it around, and that in itself can keep you sane. And it doesn't have to be doing. It could be simple things. I move my body. I drink some water. Uh, I read something. I snuggle with my children or my furry children or my husband or my wife or my partner. You know, whatever it is, you can create a rhythm throughout the week that will really keep you sane. When you were speaking before you started, I wrote down the word ritual and then you said rhythm. And I was going to ask you if those are the same thing. And as you spoke, I realized that they are not the same thing, that you can get into a ritual pattern, which might keep you a little bit stuck again, like I was saying earlier, like a cog on a wheel. But I like the idea of rhythm because there will be times when you want to keep your body moving, times when you want to get on the computer, times when you want to connect with people uh, on the telephone or, you know, on your tablet or something else. And I get where rhythm is not the same as ritual. The other thing that you said that, that I wrote down before you said it, I wrote down do less and you said it's not a time to overdo things. Our lives have been forced into a different kind of simplicity because we're not all getting in our cars and going to work and, and you know, running to the grocery store for one single item and, you know, doing all the things we would normally do. And it, it seems like we're into a bit of a forced simplicity, but I also like the idea of doing less because we are such a culture which is always doing, 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 doing all the time. It, it seems like this might be a time to do less. And I like that you said, don't overdo things. I love it. Well, you know, I, my perspective is that that comes from a place of value again. 
and not really understanding our value and our worth and seeking out by doing more and more and more so that we feel like we are enough. So it's this enoughness piece that we collectively have. You know, if you just work harder, if you just do more, you know, if you, if you read one more self-help book, whatever it is. And again, this is that invitation of, of a time to go inside, to connect. And in, for people who don't even know what we're talking about, it could be as simple as this, that I'm sitting maybe in the morning, which is always a great time. I'll, I'll light a candle. Like what I'm telling you, I've actually done. I've lit a candle, and I've literally said God, Spirit, all the words I use, and I use a lot of them, ultimately love. Allow me to feel you. Tell me who I am. Remind me who I am. What do I need to know in this moment? What do I need to know about this particular situation? And I will just sit, and sometimes things come and sometimes they don't. But the regular rhythm, and maybe even ritual, we could put those together, to bring the sacred to just sitting and being. And often we are distracting ourselves because we don't feel enough, and we feel like if we do more, then we will be more. And the, the paradox there is that we already are it. I was doing a, 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 a beautiful ceremony, and I was, in a way, praying, and like, I, I want to be a blessing, like, show me the different things that I can do during this time. And even I had a beautiful correction. And, and what I'm about to say is for each of us, instead of this idea of I want to be a blessing, you know, I want to be of service to the world, you know, how can I help? I had this very gentle, loving uh, correction, and I use the word correction because it doesn't offend me at all, where spirit was, let me show you the difference. Feel the energy of I want to be a blessing, and now feel the energy of who you really are as a blessing. And I sat with it, and I felt like I was kind of ping-ponged back and forth between those two mm, vibrations, those frequencies, and I was like, ugh, like how many times do I need to come back to these lessons? And of course, it's repeatedly throughout our lifetime for all of us to remember who we already are without doing one more thing. One more thing. The distinction I hear is I want to do more meaning I'm not doing enough versus I am a blessing. Not I want to be a blessing because I'm not right now, but I am a blessing. And, And that's a great distinction that you made, Deborah, because if instead of saying I want to be a blessing, you say I am a blessing, I think there's a little bit less franticness in how you go forward not searching, searching, how, what can I do? How can I, how can I be a blessing? But just being that you don't really need to do anything. It will show up in whatever it is you're doing. It's perfect. Exactly. Because from that perspective, so imagine collectively, you know, even 50% of the, of the human beings on this planet, these soul beings in human form sit in that energy and have a realization of I am, I already am, and then acting from that place. The actions would be aligned. They would just be aligned, period, right? And, of course, we're not going to stay in that energy all the time. If we completely knew that every moment of every day, I think we would disembody for sure. But it's a practice. It's an ongoing moving in and out. And, and maybe that's our own curve. You know, we're flattening our own curve of, 
not feeling enough, right? And then feeling enough and writing more so in between those places so that life is a little less frenzied and, and more sacred. And the other thing that I tuned into when this first when I was first more aware of tuning into it, if you will, was I was shown this uh, maybe a strawberry or something and, and just, just biting into it and, and being with it and this idea of we hear about it a lot in the spiritual community, like just be present, be present with it, what is right now. And again, this is a great opportunity to do that. So often we're talking to people and they're on their phone, right? Um, I know this happens in our house for sure and other places. You know, we're out with people, we're in with people, and, and people are not present. And you can feel that. They don't even have to be on their phone. So this time, to me, is such a great invitation. Can I sit with my food and be present with the pleasure of eating whatever it is I'm eating, or even thankful if it's not so great that I actually have food. You know, can I be present with the people? Like right now, I'm totally with the two of you, and knowing that we have an audience that's listening to us, I'm completely right here, right now, with all of you, rather than thinking about something else, right? So in this moment, I feel more alive, I feel more excited, I'm upping my immune system, you know, and I'm really present to what wants to come through. So when we're doing that more often, we're going to feel more alive and we're not going to need as many things as we think we need and to do as many things as we think we need to do. So again, it comes back to, can we live a little bit more simply and authentically? Simplicity. I am in favor. We're talking to Deborah Wilson. It's time for our one and only break of the hour. On the other side of that, who knows what we'll get into because we like it spontaneous around here whenever Deborah Wilson comes to visit. Stay with us. Give us a couple of minutes. We are Manson Mitchell, and you are attuned to Seattle's home of Alternative Talk, AM 1150. We'll be right back. The preceding audio was via a Skype call. Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to manceandmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash Mitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell. Join Gary and Suzanne Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for an unusual show that covers everything from personal growth to the paranormal. Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world fame, most unusual novelty act. The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is ManceAndMitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk 1150 a.m. or streaming live from your computer anywhere. Terry Loving wants to help you with your online marketing challenges right now. She has several courses she is giving away to help you get your business working for you online. Yes, giving away. WordPress websites are her specialty, yet her technical skills go way beyond that. Check out her blog at terryloving.com or email her directly at terry at terryloving.com. That's terry at terryloving.com. If you talk and they will hear you. We all want our kids to grow up safe and healthy. So we show them how. And we tell them with honest conversations that let them know what we expect. Not just one time, but every chance we get. That's especially important when it comes to alcohol and other drugs. 
Kids not only need to know the dangers and how to avoid them, they need to hear it often from you. And when it comes to pain medications, opioids, they need to know that they should never be taken without a prescription and never shared with friends or family. It's dangerous and illegal. So talk with your kids and guide them through the challenges of growing up safe and healthy. Because when you talk, they hear you. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. So On Friday, Manson Mitchell welcomes Shepard Siegel. He'll be talking about the disruptive play of the Beat Generation and how they relate to us in 2020. On Saturday, we play DJs for a day along with DJ Nathan, the tall guy, with music for sheltering in place. Bringing you mastery and mystery since 2007. We are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk, AM 1150. Make us part of your daily routine. Alternative Talk, 1150. The following audio is via a Skype call. We are on the cusp of a major birthday. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome to Manson Mitchell. Glad to have you with us. On the day, we have Deborah Wilson wrapping up a very Deborah weekend. And the day before a big B-Day, well, it's not like one of those marking an era, but this is the day before, oh, two days before. Oh, that's right. I'm getting the two. I thought you were giving me the peace sign. That's right. <laughs> it's only the 11th. This is what happens when you're in self-isolation. Don't tell me. I know what it is to get my days mixed up. But on April 13, it will be birthday number for the beautiful Suzanne Mitchell. We are very happy to celebrate your birthday with you in advance and thus the birthday song courtesy of the Beatles. Happy birthday, Suzanne. Thank you. And and when we booked Deborah Wilson for this weekend, I said it's kind of a birthday gift to me to have her on because she's such a wonderful guest and I don't have to work so hard. (laughs) That's true. That's true. So I said, oh, that's great. Deborah Wilson, she'll be my birthday present. Before we get to the marketing It doesn't marketing seem piece. like my birthday. It doesn't seem like Easter. It doesn't seem like Passover. Yeah, there you I mean, go. Nothing, nothing is what it usually is during this pandemic. And so we'll just kind of like ease through all this stuff until the pandemic is over. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and there is a story that you can relate, Suzanne, because um, it's... It's about you think one thing and then it's something else. You go to do one thing and you find yourself doing something radically different. And that happened at the very inception of this incarnation of the lady we know as Suzanne Mitchell. At the inception of this incarnation, uh, my mom and dad were going to Easter services at Fourth Presbyterian Church in Chicago, Illinois. And it was my dad's birthday. And on the way to the church, my mom said, oops, I think we need to make a side trip to the hospital. And so, born a few days ahead of schedule, I was born on my dad's birthday on Easter Sunday. Wow. That's pretty good. Yeah. So there are the things we intend, and there is what spirit intends. Yes, and it wasn't until my dad turned 80 years old that he asked me if I minded being born on his birthday. (laughs) You're asking me that now? (laughs) 
I always thought it was kind of special. How long had that been birthday. itching his cranium? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But back to Deborah Wilson, our very, very honored guest, my birthday present for this weekend, Deborah Wilson. If people would like to uh, get up close and personal to you, you have a website, you have Facebook, you have all kinds of ways to connect online. Please let our people know about your music, your books, and everything. Now is the time. Of course, but a very blessed birthday to you, sweet friend. Ah, I love it. I love it. We should probably have coffee that morning. Um, I'll put a little Bailey's in mine. Yes, I do have Bailey's every once in a while in my coffee. That could be a rhythm, but not a daily rhythm. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So you can get in touch with me uh, by looking at my website, which is angelsandprosperity.com. And also, uh, I think Facebook is just a really great place. So Deborah Atian Wilson on Facebook. I have a lot of the links to um, the music and to um, radio shows that I used to do and host myself. So there's a lot of free material there to go back to. And uh, the book you were speaking about, It's Okay to Be Spiritual and Wealthy, you can find right on Amazon. Um, I think, so don't, you know, don't rush out just yet. I think I'm going to, due to a hit, so I'm, I'm waiting for that to line up. I'll probably put it um, on a really reduced or possibly free um, Kindle offering, and then I'll be putting a, a free offering again of the Love Letter, which is part of the One This Becomes You um, album, if you will. That will be on Facebook as well. So definitely check there on a regular basis in the next month. There's going to be a lot of complimentary love offerings um, from me to you, the beautiful listeners, and your friends and family. Angelsandprosperity.com is the website you want to go to to connect with Deborah Wilson. I, I made a note, and this is really going to segue just right into your wheelhouse, Deborah. Ooh, before, I hope so. <laughs> before the break, we were talking about the difference between I want to be a blessing during this pandemic versus I am a blessing. There's a very subtle distinction there between the the uh, the idea of wanting of maybe there is a lack but there is a desire versus being that owning it in a different kind of an energy and and as we were talking about that I said to myself there is no difference between I want to be a blessing and I am a blessing and I want to be spiritual and wealthy versus I am spiritual and wealthy. And Gary and I have been talking about shifting consciousness. There could not be a better time in our lifetimes than right now to shift our consciousness. And so in addition to any languishing languaging about how we speak, what other tools in being spiritual and wealthy, can you talk to our listeners about so that it's not a matter of wanting it, but embodying it? Well, your key right there is the embodying. So our words are important. And in fact, in one of the chapters in It's Okay to Be Spiritual and Wealthy, we speak about words, which um, many have been doing since the beginning of time. Um, and, and the languaging is really important. And the embodying is is just as important. So the feeling tone, the being able to like sense it and feel it and picture it and and even smell it, if you will, whatever that is, 
So when we're wanting to materialize something in this incarnation, um, we need to be it, if you will, have it before we actually have it. So in other words, you're kind of owning it. And I think a great way is, uh, is thinking about like children. Like if they're wanting something, they're picturing it. They're really, they're masters at this. Like I want a new bike. They're picturing the bike. They're thinking about the color. They're feeling into it, what it's going to be like, you know, to be riding on it. So this idea of actually actualizing something comes from a place of feeling it, seeing it, playing it with it, with it in our imagination, if you will, and really owning it from an inside place before it happens. That's why a lot of um, people talk about, oh, you know, positive mantras or positive affirmations. Oh, they, you know, they don't really work. Well, one of the things is people don't, you know, they give up on it a little too soon is one, but they're actually not believing it. So there can be a disconnect to the words versus the feeling tone and the beliefs that are underlying. So it's just a great time to just really feel into it and, and sense into things that you're wanting. Um, yeah, the vibration is, is everything for sure, for sure. When you're talking about uh, believing and feeling, uh, you're talking about use all five senses to do that creation work, that manifestation work. Uh, when you're when you're talking about a, a child with a bicycle, the, you know they're they're the color they can feel their hands around the handlebars. Maybe the the seat has a certain leather smell to it or vinyl smell to it, and so you, you're talking about incorporating all the senses in a very positive way to get that item, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And there, you know, unless someone has been beaten down, if you will, um, children are really relentless. They're, and it's, that's a great quality in, in their desiring. They're relentless. And they're generally, again, if they're not being beaten down or told no, um, they're like, I'm getting that. I'm having that. There's no doubt. So often, you know, some of our traumas and our wounds that we have throughout our lifetime can be the precipitating factor. And, of course, that is, that is all needing to be lovingly healed because you might have an opposing belief. You know, I've never had enough, but I really want that I've never had enough or I'm not enough. So, you know, there's a mixture in there, which is why, you know, someone like me does the work I do because we can feel into and we can thread out some of those beliefs that might be getting in the way. So if you're not doing it on your own the way you want to, you can definitely reach out to get support. Um, in the It's Okay to Be Spiritual and Wealthy, I have multiple chapters, and they're very short. I wanted to keep them very doable um, so that you can go right into some practical spiritual tips and actions to support not only your words, but your health, um, your ways of being in anything that you're wanting. Um, they're in there. They're practical tools that anyone can do or you can do together. Someone could read and walk you through these particular processes. Some years ago when my brother was injured, my mom was reading a doctor's report about it. And the doctor used the word insult. There was an insult to the body. And I, I've never forgotten that because it seemed like injury was the right word to use. And he used the word insult. And when you're saying that there are things that need to be lovingly healed, 
we have all retained some insults uh, during our lifetimes, which have either bounced off of us like rubber balls, or we have taken those in like little arrows and, and have been shot with these insults that need to be lovingly healed. And so, you know, I wanted you to say a little bit about in addition to getting outside support, what can we do to lovingly heal some of the insults that we have gotten in our lives, which will get us to where we want to be? Well, I think um, to be aware that collectively, you know, no one gets off scot-free there. We all have them and that it's okay. And that it's part of our process. It's part of our extraordinary expansion to have the contrast of these insults, if you will. Like for me, um, you know, gosh, this is so amazing. It's just popping in as it does in the flow here. I remember when I was really unwell and my life force was definitely heading out the door. And what I came to find out during that time and became aware of and did a lot of my own inner work, which any, anyone can do. You, you just you start to find your way through books and meditations and, and your own way of being is I think the willingness to go there is, is very important. But at that time, I hadn't realized as I was moving through the process that I had not really mourned my grandfather's passing. We didn't have the opportunity as, as children at that time to mourn his passing. And what I came to realize later in life is that he was that pure, unconditional love space for me. And, and, and then he was gone. And so that particular wound was in part, part of what was up for me, as well as many other things I came to find out. But I noticed that I apparently was saying things like, I don't want to be here. You know, this is too hard. Uh, you know, so those, those ways of being, I needed to be really aware of what I was saying and how I was feeling. And, and then in that process, I had a wonderful realization, um, especially after a doctor said, well, this is it. There's no cure for what you have. And basically, it's either going to get worse or you're going to live your life like this. And I remember thinking what a jerk he was. And I was so angry. And yet that catapulted me almost into this rebellious energy of like, I'm going to prove to him or someone, you know, that that this is not going to be, you know, my life. And that's when I ended up having this experience um, that really began to set me free on this journey of waking up to, do I really want to be here? And the answer was yes. And so from that perspective, I just did almost anything that came into my um, awareness that I felt a call to do, whether that was changing diet, whether that was doing some therapeutic processes, um, whether that was reading books like um, Dr. Andrew Weil's uh, Spontaneous Healing, which was profound for me. Um, and so it is that kind of um, uh, experience to just be willing, just to be willing to be okay that you have some wounds and it's okay to move in and through them and it's okay to see them. I think we're all often so scared, like they're just going to obliterate us or something. And what I can say from my own experience is they won't. They just won't. So looking at some of the shadow stuff within our, our own psyche and and just being okay to even forgive and, and come to a place of compassion, especially around perhaps parents or previous partners, that in general, really, everyone is, 
is doing and has done the best that they can and to be able to move you know through the victimhood kind of things like oh i have i had the worst parents or whatever or i had you know um some sort of abuse um or i was attacked i mean i've all those kinds of things the betrayals they are opportunities if you so choose to either go into victimhood or to use them to catapult you into just a greater way of being and that's the place that i choose and that's the place that i offer to my clients and when you deal with your clients, as we have about, oh, six minutes to go here, Deborah, I wanted to get back to something I've discussed with you, though it was a long time ago. It's okay to be spiritual and wealthy. That's a bold statement, the title of your book, and you live those principles and you coach those principles. To this day, do you still find many people coming to you professionally with their presenting issue being that they can't get over the guilt of having money or desiring money at the same time they wish to conscientiously follow a spiritual path. It makes them feel like a hypocrite. Oh, interesting. You know, it's not so much that. It's not like that's the, the presenting piece there um, that, that can be in there, but often it's like, how do I create more financial freedom for myself when at the same time a belief system like things that we've discovered and i can do this easily with people it's like okay so tell me about rich people rich people are fill in the blank you know and right away you will find some ways of of uh belief systems actually about how people feel about quote-unquote wealthy people rich people and so right there is the disconnect for example uh, you know, rich people are snobs, rich people are disconnected, rich people um, are shallow. Let's just put that. Those are some things that have actually come up in conversation. Well, then, why would I want to become a rich person if, in fact, that is my belief? Because I don't want to become those three things, right? So then what we do in process is we move that energy and we actually can find, quote-unquote, some wealthy people out in the world that that these clients actually admire, and we can, act, and, and we're just talking money right now because I do believe that wealth is more than money, and we've talked about that before. But regarding actual financial freedom, then we just move them through these beliefs, if you will, and sometimes it takes a lot of time, and sometimes it takes a short amount of time, and then we find ways that this freedom of having more abundance financially can actually support other people. So the more, you, the more you have, if you will, the more you can actually support if it is to write a check or have more freedom to go and volunteer or whatever it is. So we work through whatever is the blocking point in that particular um, category. I think that's great advice because it teaches people that even if they don't feel hypocritical, they can understand that being spiritual and simultaneously accumulating prosperity, which turns into wealth, is not definitively not a contradiction in terms. No, and again, this goes back to this time. You know, wealth, and again, wealth is different to different people as far as, um, as financial freedom goes. Some people want a big house. Some people want a small house. Some, you know... Some people want a certain type of car. Some people don't want a car at all. And so wealthy in its own definition is a personalized um, way to, to express, and that's really important. You know, so those are things we look, look at with people, too. It's like, well, you want that, let's say, some, some level of, of 
happening here. I don't want them to land somewhere and feel very unfulfilled by securing that material, if you will, object or, or experience and, and not having that inner gold, that inner thriving foundation um, of source, which is ultimately your source for everything. And do you find that people come back to you after a year or two or three and say it not only works, but it's still working? Um, yes. And I tend to, you know, I be began my career by doing more hourly sessions, and I still do those because it's a great way for me to get to know people. But what I found is it worked better that people actually came in and did long-term coaching with me uh, because then it's consistent and we're working on these things rather than just hear some information and come back in a year. Um, I found in the very beginning people often weren't thriving as well because they didn't have um, the feedback and they didn't have the, the kind of the loving hand-holding and cheerleading that happens in the coaching, uh, the longer-term coaching, six or six months or a year coaching sessions that I do. But, yeah, people thrive. when they. Uh, this is what I will say. For me as well as my clients, when we are lovingly obedient to what comes through us, right, through our inner voice, uh, through our intuitive hits, when we're obedient to that, our life just gets better. And so when a client comes to me and they're given some loving, practical tools and tips when they do them, life gets better. It just does. And when they don't, it takes a little bit longer. And okay. One more time, Deborah Wilson, tell people how they can get in touch with you and about your books. They're going to want to oh. buy it. And music. You're, you're so sweet. So I think Facebook is going to be the easiest way because people can pop on there. They don't have to memorize any kind of website. So Deborah Atian Wilson on Facebook. I have all the different URLs right there about Oneness Becomes You, it's okay to be spiritual wealthy book that's on Amazon, um, a way to get to my website, which is angelsandprosperity.com, and then also the different radio shows I've done on Blog Talk um, and others are right there. Deborah, thank you so much for spending this weekend with us. We appreciate everything you have to say. We appreciate your wisdom and your friendship and your willingness to share that with our listeners. Well, thank you, and happy birthday. I love you both, and it's such a pleasure to be back on the air after my hiatus. <laughs> I love you. We can't wait for your next visit. We love you, too, and wish you and all of our listeners a happy Easter. Stay safe, stay healthy, and stay tuned. Coming up next, Jupiter Rising. Today, Jupiter Rises. All right. Always a good time with Eileen Grimes and Doug Johnston. Stay tuned whenever possible to AM 1150 and have yourselves a great weekend, everyone. The preceding audio was via a Skype call.